Second Timothy chapter three. But there towards the far end of your New Testament, Second Timothy chapter three. And we're gonna be in verse. Let's start with verse 10. I'm going to read that and then we'll pray as we receive the word this morning. But it says there in 2 Timothy 3 in verse 10, But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. Uh, that as we open it today, you open us up to it. Holy Spirit, illuminate, teach us, train us in the way that we should go. Thank you for the truth that we find here that is incomparable that we can find nowhere else. And we thank you for that. And we rejoice in it together in Jesus name. Amen. So reminder, you know, we've been kind of on a little stretch. Like I said, I think I already said once it was an accidental series. It just kind of came upon me by surprise. Um, with our jumping off scripture being in 2 Timothy, just a little bit further along in chapter 4, where Paul is writing to Timothy, who's his apprentice, his son in Christ, you know, his, his trainee who he's been bringing along in the faith. And it's one of the last times that, that he'll correspond with him. He talks to him and he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure or my death is close. I fought the good fight. I finished the race and I've kept the faith. And there's reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And we've talked through the, 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 the times and opportunities that, that some of the times and opportunities that Jesus appears shows up in our life. Right now, he's talking specifically about the second coming. But we've said, how can you love his return if you don't love him? And how can you love him without loving every time that he shows up? And, and so we've talked through uh, forgiveness, communion, baptism, walking in the, the fruit of the spirit, uh, do, doing the things in this life that he's famous for. Right. We talked about that. Too. And those are all amazing and all beautiful. And it's not an even a comprehensive list. There's so many appearances of Jesus in our life that we get to witness and enjoy uh, all miraculous. They're all appearings that we love. And all of that being said, I, I, I believe that they would all or mostly be absent from our life without what we're going to talk about today. 
If we didn't have what we're going to talk about today, we wouldn't have any, we wouldn't have communion, we wouldn't have baptism, we wouldn't know how to forgive. What we're going to talk about today is the key to not just seeing the beauty of Christ, but it's obviously the key to our own survival in this world. It's our hope of sinning less. Anybody want to sin less? Yeah? Just me and Kemper. Y'all are doing good. Your hope of sinning less and your comfort of being close to God, right? It's what, that, that's what we want. We want to be closer to God. We want to feel closer to God. And, and today we're going to talk about that, the, the key to that. And, and I don't say that, you know, sometimes when, when people are preaching about something, they'll say, now this is the most important thing that you'll hear, but it's the most important sermon, you know, because we're going to talk about love. Or now, if you don't do this, this is the most important. This sermon will change your life. I'm like, I've heard a whole bunch of those. I've heard a bunch of them, right? But what we're talking about today, I don't think you can overemphasize the importance of it in our life. And, and, and we'll get into it. I want to go back to uh, where we first read in chapter 3 in verse 10. And I will tell you, that, you know, I talked about at Bible study, our, our, our new book of the Bible that we're going to walk through coming soon. Uh, new series on Sunday morning, walking through a book of the Bible coming soon. I'll probably announce that next week, probably start on it either the week after that or the following week as the Lord leads. So uh, be sure and be here for that. I'm excited uh, about where the Lord would take us on our journey in the scripture next. But here in 2 Timothy, again, I kind of told you he's writing this letter to Timothy. Timothy's a, a pastor, a leader of a church, and, and he's going through all of the problems that, that are going on in the world. I didn't read it all the way back to the first of chapter three, but, but he's talking about all these things that, that are going on. People are lovers of themselves. He, he says, know this. I'll, I'll just read verse one. Hard times will come in the last days. And he's talking to him about all the hard things that are coming. And, and then he says, persecution. He says, you followed my persecution. And then he says in verse, where did, where did he go? 12. This is one you don't put on coffee cups. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Right? Nobody getting that tattooed on them. We get like, God is love. Or I'm Philippians 4.13, I can do it, you know. We, we don't like all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Yeah, yeah, that's us. We'll be persecuted. You're like, whoo. You know, it's amazing to show you how true the gospel is. It draws a crowd even when it's telling that. Right? It draws a crowd even when it's telling that to go, look, there's going to be parts of this that are going to be real tough. And if you were going through it on your own, you would quit and wear out or just die. And it still draws a crowd. That's the gospel being true. That's the power of the gospel. All the time. But he says, all who want to live a godly life in Christ will experience persecution. He's like, there's evil people and imposters in the world, and it's going to get worse. He's like, they're there. They're causing all these problems for you. You're seeing it in the city that you're in. He's like, and guess what, Tim? It's going to get worse. You're going to deal with more of this. So verse 1 through verse 13 is just all, hey, man, it's difficult. There's bad stuff going on. There's more bad news after bad news. 
And we won't hover over that. And so we're thankful. You're reading through this. You're like, hey, don't leave me here, Paul, please. What is the answer? You're telling me all of this is going to go on, man. It's going to be tough. And and you want to hear more than that, right? You don't want to just hear it's going to be tough and then you die. And that's it. You don't want to hear that. Well, what is the, the answer? You're giving us this prophetic diagnosis that all of this is difficult and hard and there's so much wrong and evil in the world. What's the fix? What, what is the diagnosis? What's the prophetic prescription? And in verse 14, he says, but as for you, meaning what, that you're different. It's going to be different for you. Why? He was like, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Continue, don't stop, in what you have learned and firmly believed. Now, thankfully, he's not talking about what we learned in high school. He's not talking about Algebra 1, because we've mostly forgot about that, unless you're one of the very few people who uses part of that in your everyday life. So what is he talking, and what you've learned, what you've believed, continue in it, and then he tells us in verse... 15, you know that from infancy, you've known the sacred scripture. So he, he's telling Timothy, you've got 13 verses of here's what's bad and here's what's wrong. And his answer is continue in what you've learned from the scripture. Continue in the sacred scripture. Now, if, if you're sitting down with your mentor, if you have one, or somebody who, you know, you, you seek counsel from or advice in life, and you just lay out the laundry list for them. I'm dealing with this and this, and I got this, and this happened, and these people, and this, and this, and this. And they go, whew, yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And, but keep reading them scriptures, though. Keep reading the scriptures. You're going to feel a little bit, and we're just being honest, you're going to feel a little bit like, that's it? That's your, that, that's your reply? That's your answer? And now, obviously, you can see where I'm going today. We're going to talk about the Scripture and its importance in our life. But let's not bypass our reaction to that. Because we would all kind of feel that. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and you're like, I'm having trouble with this and this. Or they check your levels or they check your vitals and they're like, oh, I don't like this, this or this. And you're like, what's the answer, Doc? What am I supposed to do? And what are they saying? Well, Stephen, you're going to need to eat better. You're going to need to exercise, you know, and that's going to help you lose a little bit of weight and it's going to help you be healthier. And you're like, did not want you to say that. I felt like you were going to, there was going to be some type of experimental treatment or something that you could put me on. Electroshock, you fix it, fix it. And it shows in both of those situations, we, we know what the answer is. We know what the doctor's going to say. He'll say, how much water are you drinking? You should probably drink some more water. Gosh, I knew you were going to say that. With the, the scripture, you should continue in that. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. Why do we have that response? Because we know it. Why don't we do it? In either one of those situations, and then you may have different answers and there's different times in your life where, you know, things are going on. But if we know the answer and we know it's the answer, why don't we do it? Why don't we do it? And, and two of the main reasons, there's simple reasons. It's just, it's the same thing over and over. But the two reasons are either we, we don't believe that we can. I don't believe I can walk in that. I don't believe I can do that. Or we really don't. Say a third one, it's going to be difficult and we don't want to do anything that's difficult. We'd rather do the things that are easy. So I guess you could add that in there too. 
But Paul says to Timothy, his prescription in this, and he, and he talks to him about a lot of things, but he hovers over this. He says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. He said, since you were a child, you have known the sacred scriptures. We're going we're gonna to stick on that word for just a second. Sacred. Sacred scriptures are sacred texts, the, the, these writings, but he, but he prefaces it with the word sacred. And we don't have as good of an understanding of that today as we probably should or as would be healthy for us. Sacred means something pertaining to God or belonging to God, having to do with God. That's what the English word means. And you can see why we don't have that today, but because everything is more, and we talked about it Wednesday night. Margie did a good job pointing that out. So many things are irreverent today. There's not reverence for anything. Everything is, is joke and funny and sarcasm or, or, or meanness and cynicism. There, there's very little reverence, which is what we're supposed to have for God. There's very little reverence for anything in culture, right? But this is talking about sacred scripture specifically, meaning that it's from Him. It belongs to him. It's not yours. It's his. It's been given given to you by him. Now, look, I just went online last night and ordered Kelly a new Bible from Amazon. So Amazon's going to they're going to send it. UPS is going to deliver it to my house. But it's not coming from Amazon. It's not coming from UPS. It doesn't belong to me. It's from him. He has given it to me, to his body so that he can be revealed. Right? Make no mistake, it's not yours. It's his. It belongs to him. So when Paul's writing this to Timothy, all he had was where, where, where your Bible stops at Malachi. That's all he would have had. Scripture. Obviously, he had some of it because he had these letters from Paul that are included in our New Testament. I don't even know if he had the, right, the, the gospel writings about Jesus. He had the stories about Jesus. He didn't even have that. He's telling him to go read Deuteronomy. He's telling him to go read Leviticus and Numbers. He's like, get, get in the scripture. Why? Jesus said it testifies of him. So he's in there too. But, but how much more for us when we've got the rest of the canon to commune with? See, it's shaped like a book, right? Unless you got it on your device. We'll talk about that in a minute. Not bad. It's not bad. But it's shaped like a book. You read it like a book, but look, it's so much more than a book. It is so much more than a book. And you can see that just in the word that he, I was trying to do a little bit of studying on that word sacred. Because he said, these are the sacred scriptures. And I was like, teach me more about that word. I've got a little software. I can look it up and it'll show me what the word is in the Greek. And where else it's used in the New Testament, right? Because the New Testament was written in Greek. And so I looked at it, and that was the only place that I found where it was translated sacred. Do you know what it was translated in all the other instances? That word? Temple. It was the word for temple, which is where, where God dwells and where we commune with Him. He used the same word 
you can almost say that the temple scripture, it was the sacredness of the temple, but put on the scripture. He's like, this is where God dwells. This is where he shows up. He's not just saying, hey, go read this book. I think it'll help you. Hey, go read this book. I think you'll find it encouraging. He's saying, this is where God sets up. This is where God resides. He's chosen to reside in this word, in these scriptures. And that's why it's so much more than just a book. This is where he shows up. This is where he appears. This is how he has chosen to reveal himself. And he talks to Timothy and he says, continue in the scriptures. He's saying, go to where God dwells. Go to where God is, where he's revealed, where he's communed with, just like at the temple. Right. What they would have known as the temple, because Timothy had that background back in verse 15. He says, you've known from infancy the sacred scriptures, which were given to you, able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing the word. It develops to where you can even believe on Jesus. He's like, that's what you find in the scriptures. Paul wrote that too, by the way. And then he says in verse 16, all scripture, which is sacred, he said, is inspired by God. It's inspired by God and profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training to righteousness so that the man, which Timothy was, man of God, may be complete, equipped for every good work. It's inspired by by God. That, that word means God breathed. Just like God breathed life into the world. God breathed life into this. When he breathed something, it's alive. It's not just a text. It's not just a book. He breathed into it. Therefore, it is alive and it will live forever. That's why nobody's been able to erase it, though they've tried really hard. They tried really, really hard. How many civilizations have said, we're going to stamp this out. We're going to get rid of it. We're not going to have it because it's turning people against what we want them to do. And they just can't do it. It has been completely unstoppable. Why? Because he breathed it. He breathed life into it. You know, we always say, well, scripture is God breathed. But think about what that means. He put the breath of life into man at the very beginning, and it's still breathing today. The breath of life continues even today, and Scripture will do the same thing as God breathed. And I love the word there, that Greek word, because I can see the God part and the breath part. I can't pronounce it, though, but it looks really cool. If you can see it, it will look really cool. But he says it's inspired by God. It's God breathed, and it's In my translation, the CSB, and I think most of yours, it's going to say it is profitable. It's profitable. That's an interesting word to choose. What does profit mean? It's income above expense. Right? Income above cost. It cost me this much, but I got this much back. Everything in the middle of those two numbers is profit. It's my benefit over the burden that I endure. And that's why I think it's an interesting word to use because it points out there's going to be some expense. There's going to be some burden on you to engage with this. It's going to take something out of you to do it, but it's profitable. 
which means it's putting back more than it's requiring. It's profitable. Such an interesting word for him to use. He just said beneficial. He could have just said good. He said it's profitable, meaning I'm having to put something out just like if I was selling something, I got my cost of goods or my cost of service. But what I'm bringing in is above that cost. What I'm getting back is profit. He says profitable for teaching, for rebuking. That's the times when he says no to us. Hey, Stephen, no, no, not like that. And then there's correction. Not like that, but like this. Life is not this way, it is this way. And he says there's training, growth, training in righteousness. That, that's the same word he uses when he's talking about physical training, like going to the gym. He's like, you're going to build up the right kind of muscles with this. This is going to strengthen you in the right places in your life to make you right in the way that you live, the way that you think, the way that you act, everything that you do. And then it says he's going to be, or the person who engages with these scriptures will be complete because they're going to be equipped for every good work. Complete meaning like they should be. That's the other way you talk about righteousness. Righteousness is when someone is as they ought to be. Complete. And having everything you need for what you need to do. So he's telling Timothy, this is the answer. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know there's evil out there. I know there's persecution out there. This is the answer. That you continue in what you have received. It was the answer then. It's the answer now. And it will be the answer until the end. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but not the word. He's like, it's going to be here. And it'll still be around then. It's not going anywhere. Without it, we wouldn't be here. Wouldn't be here for sure, would we? Again, you think about it. Now, you may have heard me say it before. If the critics and the enemies of Jesus, Christianity, the Scripture, if they got what they wanted, if they were able to erase this from the world, if they were, which they can't, because they've tried, and it's never worked. It's like, greater than you have attempted this. Stronger than you have attempted this. Better funded than you have attempted this. And it's not worked. But if they could, let's just say if they could, what would happen? Obviously, we think the world would be much worse, right? Because we believe what it says is true. Just imagine if they got what they wanted, what it would actually be. It would be awful. It would be terrible. It would be impossible to live. Thank God that it's more than just a book. That it's breathed by him and that it's not going anywhere. That we can trust it. You know, we've run into a lot of people before that we thought we could trust and we realized we couldn't. Yeah? And it hurt us. You can always trust it. You can always trust it. Why? Because it's not of us. It's not ours. Whose is it? It's his. It's him. It's where he dwells. Not the only place that he dwells. But man, you, you can't deny that he's in it. Because he's preserved it. And there's a life in it. 
it's not, it's not just a book. And it's also not, see, because we, we kind of get this, it's not a talisman. It's not something you just take with you and as long as you have it with you, you're good, right? That, that's a talisman. I have this, so hey, I got this. Devil, pointed at you. No, it doesn't work like that. But we can kind of start to feel like that because we know there's something special about it. We know how awesome it is. I had a weird experience when I first got an iPhone, which has been a little while ago now. But I downloaded the Bible app. That was one thing I always wanted was the Bible app. I'd seen people have the Bible app. I want the Bible app. Listen, I felt so weird about closing the Bible app out. You know how you've got your apps that are open? And like sometimes you'll keep one open like, well, I, that, I need that one to run in the background or I'm going to go back to that one or I need to remember to do something. So I'm going to leave that open. Every time I would pull up those apps that were open, I would see the Bible app sitting there and I would go like, I don't think I'm supposed to close that. <laughs> like if I close it, like, is that OK? Like, how are you, you going to be mad if I swipe? Is this OK? Anybody else get the weird feeling when you open the Bible app? And it puts that little question there that most apps ask you, but it's a lot different when this one asks you that. It's like, hey, are you enjoying the Bible? <laughs> are you enjoying this Bible? And you're like, I mean, yeah, yeah. You, wanna, you, you should probably rate it, right? It's like, I don't ever rate apps. Yeah, this is the Bible, though. You enjoying the Bible? It's just a strange feeling, right? So even with that kind of stuff, we know this is different. We know that it's not like other things, that it is sacred, it is divine, and it's filled with so much power. You look there in, in verse 16 and 17, he's like, these are just some of the things that it's going to accomplish in your life. Timothy, it's profitable for all of these things. And at the end of this sentence, I'm going to tell you that it's what's going to make you complete as a man following God. This is what you need. He's like, this will equip you. You're like, what about prayer? What about communion? You learn about it in here. You wouldn't have learned about any of it. You wouldn't have known about prayer. You wouldn't have known about baptism. Wouldn't have even been, you wouldn't have touched it. You wouldn't have known anything about it. You learned about it in here. It's got so much power in it. Here's the key. Again, it's not a talisman. You can't just carry it with you. That's what we used, you know, in high school, you went through that. Like, this kid brings his Bible to school. Now, I don't know what he ever did with it, but you brought your Bible to school and you're like, I, that was usually after youth camp. Like they're like, look, you need to take your Bible to school. And we're like, OK, what am I supposed to do with it? Right. I mean, read it some, I guess. Should make sure people see it so they know, hey, this is who I am. But it, you, you can have it with you. You can have it on the shelf. But if it's not pursued if it's not heard, if it's not read, if it's not studied, if it's not meditated on, and there's some differences in there, right? We can hear it and that's leisurely, that's not difficult. Reading also isn't that difficult. Study gets more difficult. I want you to think that you're getting back just equal or less than what you're putting in. He's like, whatever you put into this, you're gonna get so much more back. But we have to engage the scripture. It's not something we just keep close to us and then hope we don't put it on our pillow at night. Like, I'm going to soak all this in. It's not the way that it works. He designed it where it must be engaged with. Heard like we're doing today. We're doing right now. Heard, read, studied, meditated on. How often? That's always the question. Well, how often? How often? 
And I, I love the quote, and I couldn't trace it back to it. I've just got it in my memory now. It's, it, the man of God said, how often do you need encouragement? How often do you face temptation? How often do you need to see God? How often do you need to hear his voice? How often do you need his help? What's the answer to that? Every day. Every day. So how often should I engage with the scripture? Every day. Every day. Again, we're hearing some of it right now. If we don't hear it again until next week, we're going to be deficient. We're going to be deficient because how can, just like you can't eat enough today to last you, well, you could, but you wouldn't, it wouldn't be healthy. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be the way he's designed you to function. He's like, I'm, I don't want you to just eat seven days worth today and then try to make you feel terrible. You're going to endure things that you shouldn't have to endure. It's the same way with the scripture. Same way with the scripture. We would be deficient. and We can't take in enough breath for the next hour. We need what? In and out. It's regular communion. The question isn't the ability of scripture to do what it promises. The question is, do we believe in it enough to commit the time and energy to it? That's it. That's the question. It promises something. Do we believe enough to engage with it? Because again, going back to that profitable idea, we're going to get more out than we put in. We're going to get more out than we put in. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? And now I'm not throwing rocks. Why are you still, I'm gonna open my Bible that back up and I won't close it out. I'm trying to encourage you to remind you how special this is. Because again, we can also get kind of, um, I don't know the right word. We can get too familiar with it, right? Because I just got a bunch of them. I mean, anybody got more than five Bibles at their house? Maybe more than 10. You got a bunch, right? I got a bunch of these things. Again, you can buy them for less than $5. Get you a nice little hardback, all the pages in there. It even has all the words that it's supposed to have. You know, for not very much. And, and, and so in our life, that doesn't translate to value on most things, does it? I've got a lot of it. You can buy it for not a whole lot. If I tried to sell it, nobody's really going to buy it from me. So, so it doesn't translate to value in the way we normally think about value. And so it can just kind of fall into that. Again, I want to encourage you that there's life in the pages. God breathed life and help. It, it says it, it's health to all of our flesh, to everything about us. We, we find that in his word and we access that truth and we engage with the scripture. We access that power. We have access to it and we're devoid of it if we don't. We don't have it if we don't. So again, I said, you know, who wants to sin less? Me and Kemper, we need to read more of the scripture. Why? The psalmist said, your word have I hidden in my heart that I wouldn't sin against you. Your word have I stored up in my heart to keep me from sin. Why? Because I'm learning what is sin and what's righteousness. And I'm learning that what is sin will result in death and corruption. Because that's the only thing that it can work. So when I see that, I go, ooh, I don't want to do that. I at first thought that I did. My reflex, my intuition said to do this. I, that is not what I need to do. So if you want to sin less, we need to be in the scripture. And we all want to sin less. Me and Kemper were just the only two that spoke up. Y'all were affirming in your heart. I know. 
I don't raise my hand a lot when preachers do that either. And I really hate when they do like, oh, it's just me and him. I hate that. And I do it anyway. I don't know. <laughs> it's just different from up here, I guess. But we access that when we engage with the Scripture. We need to engage with the Scripture together like we are right now, like we do a Bible study, and when we're alone. Why? Because we're going to need it when we're together and we're going to need it when we're alone. I get so encouraged how many folks are coming to Bible study on Wednesday night. And we're studying, we're studying the Bible. It's nothing, it's nothing novel. It's nothing uh, trendy. We're studying the Bible. And we got just as many people showing up as if we were having uh, cake and punch and having a party. And I love that. And, and we need to do that together. There's safety in engaging the Bible together in the community of faith. Like, what do you mean? If you think about it, every heretic that there's ever been, heretic meaning somebody that teaches something that is false about God, every heresy ever started with somebody reading a book, reading the Bible. They started out in the Bible. And they got off and there wasn't the body there to go, hey, that's not what it says here, here, here. You know, let's use the scripture to interpret scripture. Let's stay safe here. Let's make sure we're doing this the right way. And then they're just gone. And they're like, the Holy Spirit's a banana. Who knows what they're saying? Right? And so there's safety in the body. And we all need that safety to learn together, to grow together. But we do it when we're alone. We do it when we're together because we need it both times. We need it both times. And listen, I understand some of the Bible is hard to understand. Some of it is still very mysterious to us. It, it can be difficult to understand, especially early on. Just like learning anything is difficult to understand at the beginning, especially something that's big or special or important. It can be difficult to understand in, in, in part. Some of it is. God has plenty of mystery. If we could figure, if we totally had him understood, he's not much of a God. Right. He's, he's just a subject or a topic. If we could totally understand him, we, we have how he has chosen to reveal himself. And we understand as much as he's given us understanding. But there's going to be a little bit of mystery there. But there's also plenty that he's given us that is very clear and easy to understand. And we shouldn't spend we, we do spend so much more time on the mysterious stuff or stuff that we can't get to the, the, the base answer of at this point in our life. And we neglect all the stuff where we go, oh, no, he's pretty clear about this. This part we just read in Timothy, not really a lot of mystery in there. Pretty clear. Hey, bud, things are getting bad. Going to be bad. Probably going to get worse. You're going to endure some persecution. Here's what you're going to need. Continue in the scripture. Don't stop. Why would he tell him that? Because he's going to be tempted to stop. He's going to be tempted to focus on what's going on instead of what God has already said. And so that's very simple and easy for us to understand. So we want to, we want to take a look into that mystery. We want to ask God about it. But we don't want to act like the whole thing is mysterious. There's a lot of really, really, really simple truth in the scripture. Look at all that it does for us in our life. Again, going back to all the things that it's given us, all the things that he's taught us about in it. It's divine. It's sacred. It's powerful. It's more than just a book. We talked about the things that we wouldn't have had without it. Think about all the things we met because of it. Communion, baptism, 
forgiveness. Jesus. We have that because of the Scripture. That's the reason why we have it today. And Paul is telling Timothy, look, when the whole world is disoriented, when they don't know who they are, they don't know where they're going, they don't know what's right and what's wrong, they don't know, they're disoriented, the Scripture will orient you. It will set you on the path. It will point out to you the ditches and it will give to you the endurance to walk the path, the straight and narrow path. And he said, look, not going to be a lot of people on there with you. Why? Because they're all disoriented. They're on, they're, they're on the wide way that's going the wrong way. Not a lot of people are going to be on there with you. He's like, but this will show you where it is, show you how you can fall off of it and back into the things that you've been rescued out of, and it'll give you the endurance to continue. It will orient you when you're disoriented, when you don't know, when you're confused, or when, you, when life just gives you a good old punch in the mouth, right? Because that happens. It'll reach up and just get you, sometimes when you're not even expecting it. And here it comes, and you've, you've caught a haymaker to the face, and now what happens next? When you've been engaging in the Scripture, when you've been building that up, training in that on a daily basis, regularly, then when you get that punch in the mouth, you know what to do. But let me tell you what's hard. It's hard to have not been in it, get punched in the mouth, and go get in it. You're going to have a hard time doing that because everything's spinning. Everything's spinning. You've got to fix the roof while the sun's shining. And then you'll be okay when it's raining. Don't wait till it starts raining to get up there and try to mess around with it. That's not the way things work. It shouldn't, you know, but that's what we want to do. Man, everything's bad. I'm scared. I'm frightened. Everything. Let me go to the scripture. I ain't been there in six months. Let me see what it's saying. That's it. That's you might as well. But man, wouldn't it have been better if you'd been in it the last six months before the punch came that you weren't expecting. To an unbeliever, it's just a book. It's not anything in it but a book. But to the Christ follower, when it's Holy Spirit illuminated, when it's sacred, when that's where God dwells because it's God breathed and it's going to live forever, the, the, the power that it is in it comes from Him. It's life giving and it's profitable. Meaning what you put in, because you're going to put something in, you're going you're gonna to extend effort and energy and attention, and you're going to sacrifice time for other things to get into this. But when you do that, the profits are high. The profits are high. So, so the, again, the goal of the day wasn't to do an exhaustive thing on the scripture, but just to remind you that there's benefit over the burden and that there's life in here to get in it to just encourage you in that. Don't forget, don't forget how special it is to have this and to be able to walk with this. I'll close with just a couple of quotes. I've had some of these and I've remembered them and I found one of them in my notes. I was like, you know what? I wanna just close with some of this. One's a quote from a friend of mine. He's a pastor in Wisconsin. His name's Stephen, but he spelled it the wrong way. But he said, may we be grateful for the times when we feel close to God. And when we feel distant, may we be grateful for his word that reminds us that he's close regardless of our feelings. 
It's like we're grateful for the times. That, I mean, there's times in your life where, man, it feels you, you're just right there. I mean, you're you're under the glory cloud. Everything is awesome. And we love that. He's like, we need to be grateful for that. He said, and we don't always feel that way. And we need to know that. And when we do, we're thankful for his word and grateful for his word that teaches us that he's close to us regardless of how we feel. Look at how it functions in there. There's one. uh, (laughs) The next one is we need a Bible because our natural intuition can only give us a God like us. We need a Bible because our natural intuition can only give us a God like us. But the God revealed in Scripture deconstructs our intuitive bias or what we would see in our own mind. It it takes that down and it builds him up like he is in our mind. Anyway, the God revealed in Scripture deconstructs our intuitive bias and startles us with one whose infinitude of perfection is matched by his infinitude, infinitude, that's a word, you know I didn't write that one, infinitude of gentleness towards us. He's like, this is why we need the Bible, because without the Bible, the best God that we could imagine would be one like us. And he's so much better than us. He's perfect, and that's what this author was saying. In his perfection, he's also gentle towards us. He's also gentle towards us. And the last one was a, uh, another pastor. He, he started out, I think, in Osceola, Arkansas. I don't know where he is now, but he's been all over. His name was Don, is Don Whitney. I believe he's still living. He said, if we would know God and be godly. So those are things we all want to do. We want to know God and we want to be godly or walk in a way that's pleasing to him and points to him. If we would know God and be godly. We must know the Word of God intimately. Because how else are we going to know Him? How else are we going to know Him and know Him intimately outside of the Scripture? And he's obviously saying that in the Scripture, knowing it intimately, we'll know God because He's in there. And we'll be able, we'll receive from Him in that the ability to walk as He would have us to walk. We know there's problems in the world. They're not going to get any better, right? They're not going to fix themselves, put it that way. But we also know the answer. So we want to get in it like we know that it's the answer. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, and we'll get ready to stand and sing together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that we find in it. Lord, let us not set it on the shelf, but let us pursue you in it. To be able to see ourselves pursuing you in it. That this isn't just for a preacher. This isn't just for a pastor. It's not just for somebody who's separated from the rest of us. But this is for all of us. This is for your people. This is for your body. And I thank you that we find in it breath from you that lasts forever. It's alive. It's active. It's working. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the Holy Holy Spirit, you're working with us in it. You're leading us into it and shining a light on it for us. Thank you that we can know truth and that we can see that it's not subjective. It doesn't change based on who we are, where we've been, that truth is true and it comes from you. Father, I thank you that your your prescription 
for the problems that we face today is sufficient and it's profitable. Show us that. Show us where we need to engage. Show us where we can engage more. Help us develop a plan that will work for us as an individual. God, I know we're coming at this from all different positions, all different places. I know it may look a little bit different, but here's what I know. We all need to be in it and help lead us into it. Give us the confidence that we can meet you there. And I thank you, Lord, for the community that you've given us, that we can walk in it together and experience you together in a way that we can find nowhere else. As we get ready to go today, Lord, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with one another. Lord, keep your people safe. As we begin this week, we, that we do so with you in mind, that you strengthen us and give us peace as we walk the path that you've given us to walk, and that we have open eyes to see how we may be able to bless and encourage those that we meet along the way. Lord, I thank you that you rebuke the devourer for our sake. You turn them up. You turn him back for our sake. And I thank you for your goodness in that. I thank you that we walk in health and wholeness, healing and wellness. And Lord, we don't have to be afraid because you've given us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind that comes through faith. We love you and we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for the scripture where we see him lifted up in his name. Amen.